And I always tell young people, in your organization, it doesn't matter what aspect of the business that you're in, someone who can bring in new business to their company is of incredible value. So find the person or persons within that company that are responsible for bringing in the business. Number one, see if you can go to work for them. Number two, if you can't go to work for them, at least try to spend time with them and find out what they do and how they do it and how they develop those prospective business relationships, nurture those, and then ultimately bring in the business. Hello and welcome to TrackCast, the official podcast of the Real Estate Council from deep in the heart of Dallas, Texas. I'm Bill San Antonio. Thank you for joining us. Today I'll be chatting with Kim Butler of Hall Group, who was the chairman of the Real Estate Council this year. I was really excited to do this interview because I really didn't know Kim all that well beforehand, but she's been a longtime Trek member and a great leader for our organization, and we look forward to working with her this year. Kim has spent more than 35 years in commercial real estate, including 25 at Transwestern, where she held several executive roles and was consistently a top producer. She now leads leasing efforts for Hall Park, the 2.2 million square foot, 15 building office park up in Frisco. Kim has received several awards and accolades throughout her career, including Crew's Outstanding Achievement Award, the inaugural Transwestern Founders Award, and the prestigious Nat Carr Stemmons Service Award. In addition to Trek, Kim is an active member of NAOP, Nat Carr, Crew, the Dallas Arts District, and Downtown Dallas, Inc. She also serves on the advisory board of the Rawls College of Business at Texas Tech University and was previously on the associate board of the Cox School of Business at Southern Methodist University. Before we get started, I'd like to quickly remind you to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. It's the best way to get all new episodes right to your mobile device. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, SoundCloud, Podbean, YouTube, and many others. Follow us on social media as well. We've put links to everything in the show notes. Now, here's Kim Butler, Madam Chairman, right here on TrackCast. We are joined now by Kim Butler of Hall Group, our 2022 Chairman. Kim, thank you for taking the time today. We appreciate you being on the show. So glad to be here. As you know, we at Trek pride ourselves on our relationships throughout the real estate industry here in Dallas-Fort Worth. So I'd like to start by giving you the opportunity to introduce yourself to our listeners who may not have had the pleasure of meeting or working with you. So please tell us a bit about who you are and the kind of work that you do. Great. Thank you, Bill. Well, I uh, work for Hall Group and um, I am responsible for primarily our leasing efforts. And lease, I've done a lot of different things in my career and I came back to the leasing side because that's what I really enjoy. Um, we have a great team here at Hall, and we are doing new development uh, and a lot of exciting things. So it's a fun time to be in the real estate business and, in particular, have a lot of interest in Frisco, Texas. In the last five years or so, pandemic aside, Trek has grown considerably in a variety of areas, notably in the community investment space with the implementation of the Dallas Catalyst Project, the Dallas Collaborative for Equitable Development, and the establishment of Trek community investors, sort of bringing everything together. As you enter this year as our, as our chair, what excites you about what we're doing? What are you most excited about? And, and how do we take 
all that we've been doing, all this momentum that we've built up, how do we take this to the next level as an organization? Well, there's so much um, exciting work ahead for Trek. And one of the reasons that I've always been involved and want to be involved in Trek is the great work that Trek's doing in the community. And when I say that, I look at, it's very visible. And I think Trek made a strategic decision to invest with partnerships in a single neighborhood so that you can start to see the impact and the transformation of the neighborhood. And I'm speaking specifically about the Dallas Catalyst Project in the Forest District. And you go down there today and you see over the course of the years that we've been involved with St. Phillips and Cornerstone Baptist and others, that whole neighborhood taking shape. And now there are services there that the residents told us they wanted um, that you can see they're thriving, the laundromat, you know, the grocery market that is there. And at the end of the year, we'll have the commercial kitchen where entrepreneurs can come in and further their businesses by renting time in the commercial kitchen. So you're giving residents in the area services that they've asked for, and you're doing it in a way that you can see the impact and everyone gets excited. And so we'll take that to, you know, the next level, be it more investment there and then taking it to other neighborhoods to revitalize other neighborhoods. So it's a building process. And I think Trek has learned so much from our involvement in the Forest District with our partners. They've taught us a lot. And um, it'll be fun to take that to the next level. We held our first all boards orientation session of the new year last week. And there were two big topics of discussion, topics that had been on your priority list coming into the year. And those topics were engaging our members and then also diversifying the real estate industry here in Dallas. Uh, There were a lot of great ideas, a lot of healthy discussion. I know we're still looking at the feedback that we got from the board members, but what are your takeaways from what was discussed last week? Well, I'll talk first about the diversity because this is a personal interest of mine. And I think Trek has a great opportunity to be a leader in seeing that we get more diversity in our industry. The ideas that came forth out of the board orientation, which was really a brainstorming session, there were incredible ideas about how we can approach this and what we can do. And it starts early, and that is in the schools. And there were many ideas about how we get involved in the middle school and high schools, just exposing people to the real estate career and what opportunities there are. There's so many different areas in real estate that people don't know about. You know, I didn't know about when I came out of college even. And there's just... um, many different areas that people get involved in. So going into the middle schools and doing panels where you have people from different aspects of the business talk about construction, talk about legal, talk about brokerage, you know, talk about all the different areas that there are so that when they think of real estate, they know that there's something besides real estate other than just selling a house. So that's sort of where it starts. I'm very excited about an internship program that we're embarking on with University of North Texas at Dallas. We've had meetings with them and are putting together a program to actually bring interns from UNT Dallas into real estate companies. And if you look at UNT Dallas and what they've been doing, they have been doing some remarkable work and providing education in underserved communities. They're so heavily, I think 30 
30% plus of the population there is Hispanic. Almost 30% is African-American, a number of Asians. So serving a wide uh, group of uh, individuals in the communities. And so being able to connect the companies in our industry who do want to be more diverse with a pool of talent coming through that internship program and through other sources as we go along and increase our efforts in this area, I think it's going to be incredible for our industry. What about with regard to uh, member engagement? You know, what we, the feedback that we got, so many people are really um, happy with what all Trek is doing. I think Trek has done a remarkable job of connecting with our members, particularly through the pandemic even. Um, it's always been a priority to, for Trek to have touch points with people and to try to get people involved. And there's so many different areas that people said, we love the mentoring program. You know, we love Trek being able to get membership involved in the communities and in serving. And the thing that, to me, that is so incredible about Trek is, yes, we fundraise and we do, and we're very good at it and we're able to invest money in the communities, but we also invest time. I mean, the countless hours that our professionals spend helping with title work, legal work, project management work, uh, that is what's so rewarding for our members. And Trek has been such a great catalyst to connect the needs of the community with the professional expertise of our members. And I see that getting even more and more robust. That, that has been something that's really incredible for me to see as, as an employee of Trek is, is just how willing all of the members are to plug in where they can. There's a variety of, of ways that they can, you know, figure out what aspect of the organization or aspects of the organization that they're interested in and plug in. And it's, it's so incredible to see how many folks want to donate and give their their expertise and, and the services. It's not just an organization that, you know, let me let me throw money at something and, and you know, write a check. It's it's people wanting to get involved and really make an impact on on the city and the people that we serve. Well, real estate people as a whole are can do people. I've often said I'm sure there's other industries with, you know, really great people, but I have a hard time believing that there's an industry that has more you know, type A, can-do, collaborative, kind, but really generous people who want to, as you say, help and make a difference. And so Trek is able to harness that talent and that desire and that generosity in ways that we're making a difference in Dallas and it's multiplying. Yeah, we certainly appreciate all of the members that that have plugged in. Uh, if you're looking to get involved, if you're listening and you're you're looking to get involved with us, please reach out. Uh, we're there. There's definitely a spot for you, um, and we will we'll figure out a way to get you into the fold. So, Kim, you've talked about wanting to get into you know spreading real estate through. Um, middle schools and high schools and and making it known as a career option at younger education levels as as kids are sort of figuring out what am I going to major in? What am I going to pursue professionally? How did you get into real estate? You know, it really was not intentional. And that's been a big lesson for me. I'm a big planner. 
Um, but really, some of the very best things that have happened in my life, I didn't plan. God sort of put them in my path. One of those was real estate. I was an accounting major, and I went to work for KPMG. Now, it wasn't called KPMG when I went to work for them, uh, but it wasn't a fit for me. And I was actually dating my husband at the time, who was in real estate, and Transwestern was looking for a few young people. And he said, I've got just the girl for you. And I interviewed and worked so hard to sell myself to get hired. And I just feel so fortunate that I was able, you know, to get that opportunity. And I think I had the shortest tenure in accounting at KPMG, perhaps still to this day. <laughs> uh, and, and that's a great lesson, too, is if, if there's something that's not working, don't be afraid to make a change and to get on a path that will work for you. Life is too short. Love what you do, and you'll never work a day in your life. Amen. Amen to that. Coming into the year, another thing that was important to you was for our board members to get to know each other even before that orientation session that we had last week. Uh, you wanted them to come together and build camaraderie early mm -hmm. and really hit the ground running once the year started. And one of the ways we did that was that we surveyed them on topics like where they went to college, what their favorite restaurants are, what they enjoy doing outside the office. And then we compiled those answers into a book. We gave them to each of the board members. Um, I'd like for you to share some of your answers with us and expand upon them um, in another effort for more folks to get to know you a bit better. Sure. Uh, the reason that that was important to me is I think people serve in leadership roles in Trek, uh, largely because they really want to get to know other people. And it is the relationships. Uh, in addition to the great work that Trek does, one of the reasons I've been involved in Trek are the tremendous relationships that I've developed with such quality individuals. And some of those relationships, Bill, have turned into meaningful friendships. Uh, others um, have been great contacts you know, to have a cadre of resources sure. at your disposal with really smart people where you can pick up the phone and call an expert in just about any field that we're in uh, is remarkable. And so those relationships, I wanted to get a head start on how board members and leadership can get to know one another. And so asking them those questions and putting it in a lookbook where people can you get to know people a little bit before they come into a meeting and have a point of connection, whether it be the school they went to or a hobby that they enjoy uh, together. Um, I think that's important. Absolutely. Um, and I, I'd like to go through some of the questions that you had, some of the answers that you gave, and see what kind of connections that we can continue to make with, with this podcast. Sure. So you attended Texas Tech for your undergrad and SMU for your graduate studies, you have a very, um, a very big love for Texas Tech athletics. Of and course. I'd, I'd like for you, could you please talk about where that love comes from? I'm not, I, I didn't attend a school out this way. Um, I didn't attend a Big 12 or a, an SEC type school. I come from a very different athletic, college athletics background. I'm a Big East kid, but an old school pre-football schools leaving for the ACC and Big Ten. So I have a different relationship with college sports. But 
Can you speak to either the Texas Tech experience, what you've taken from that, and, and just where that, where that love comes from for you? Well, college athletics, period, is something that I'm very passionate about. Uh, Texas Tech is my alma mater, so they're the number, number one position. Uh, but I think that college sports as a whole is just, it's, it's what's best about our country, I think. Yeah, there are a lot of things, and that may seem to be a little shallow, but you learn a lot of lessons in college athletics, and I think teamwork is one of those, and I love following particularly college football, um, but all college athletics, and we're in a, a sea change in terms of how athletes uh, perform in college athletics with the NIL and the realignment of conferences Absolutely. and all of that. So it's the, it's at the, the team level that I really love it, but I really love studying and learning and seeing where college athletics is going. I think some of it, frankly, could be a little dangerous and we're going to have to navigate some pretty, um, you know, pretty tricky waters, but um, it, it's just, it's great. Number one, it gives people uh, points of connection, and there's nothing more exciting than being with people like mine, going into the stadium and witnessing, you know, a terrific game. I think it just it it does a lot of building, soul building. Sure. Uh, and particularly <laughs> it's a in great this way part to frame of the country, too, soul building. Yeah, it's soul like building. Uh, it was great. I was at the Texas Tech game this past year when. Um, the kicker kicked the 62-yard field goal to, oh, to win and beat uh, Iowa State. It was one of the most incredible moments ever. It was the, um, I mean, it was the longest field goal in Texas Tech history, and or maybe the next longest field goal it had been since the 50s or 60s. I think maybe there was one longer. But just to see the entire crowd erupt, yeah, uh, was <laughs> phenomenal. Do you have, I'm, I'm sure you have an opinion on Texas and Oklahoma potentially moving <laughs> to the SEC. Do you see that as a, in terms of the Texas Tech fandom, is that a good thing? Is that a not so good thing? I can't imagine them leaving for the SEC being good for the Big 12, but what is your, uh, what is your take on that? You know, I hated to see it. Uh, I like history. Uh, I sort of felt the same way when the Southwest Conference, um, you know, dissolved you see a part of history going away and particularly rivalries when Texas and Texas A&M don't play anymore. I think that's a huge loss for our state uh, and a, a huge soul-building opportunity that's lost. Um, but uh, I, think, I think it'll be a little bit of a challenge in the short run. But um, there are a lot of smart people that are working on it, and we've added some great schools to the conference. I think there will be a lot more parity in the conference, which is always a good thing. I think the NFL does a much better job in terms of building parity than we're able to at the collegiate level. I yeah. say we like it's me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just the fan. But um, the um, I, I think in the short run it'll be challenging, but in the long run, um, I think that some you know some different opportunities will present themselves. Now, I I think I can speculate on your answer to my next question, but Texas Tech versus SMU, is there, is there any athletic love for SMU? We have a lot of SMU uh, members. It is, I guess, Dallas's home team to an extent. I know I drive through it going home every day on 75. 
what does it come down to for tech versus SMU for you? Well, I love SMU. My brother played football at SMU. And so SMU has been in our blood for a very long time. Sure. When he played, it was the games were actually at Texas Stadium. Okay. Now, SMU is a small school. And so it looked like there were 200 people there total. I was so delighted when SMU brought football back to campus. I thought that that was a great thing for SMU. I but went no, to a game last season. Oh, it's so exciting. It was such a the great boulevard time. Is, it's, it's amazing. So yes, I have a great love for SMU and I've watched it and seen it struggle since the death penalty. That's something I don't think that will ever be done again because it is just so debilitating to a school. And so seeing SMU get back to the winning days has been so rewarding. And um, that's, that's been a lot of fun. I also like Georgia a lot. When uh, SMU got the death penalty, my brother actually left and played at the University of Georgia. Oh. And so I've got a little SEC. Yeah. i got a little SEC <laughs> blood in me. And wow, that was quite an experience uh, going to witness the SEC in person and see a lot of those games in addition to what I've been able to experience in the Big 12. But I've still got a few stadiums that I want to visit. And I want to go to the Big House. Okay. I want to go to the Horseshoe. Okay. I want to go to Tennessee. All great stadiums. I know. I want to go to West Virginia for some some reason. I think just because I just want to go to Morgantown. I've never been there. And I think that would be a beautiful place to visit in the fall. Absolutely. Uh, I've, I've been very lucky with college football. I've had two college football experiences since I moved to Dallas. Um, I got to see Red River a couple years ago um, in the Kyler Murray game. Oh, wow. And he is the fastest athlete I've ever watched in person. Um, and then I got to see SMU earlier this year uh, play Central Florida. So I just, I had a blast at both of those games. Um, and it's an experience or two experiences I probably wouldn't have had if I if I didn't live here. Well, Bill, we'll just go to Lubbock and we'll, <laughs> we'll see a Texas Tech game. I know you'll love it too. That sounds good. Uh, but it's great. No, Kyler Murray's amazing. And watching him in the pros, I don't watch pro football really. Okay. Um, I watch it from daylight to dark, uh, actually past dark. Um, those Pac-12 games last a little bit longer on Saturday. So you can't be a slug all day Saturday and all day Sunday. So I have to actually <laughs> be productive on Sunday. So I watch my uh, NFL very sparingly, but um, Keller Murray is a fun player to watch, no doubt. I wanted to shift gears a little bit away from football. What is... Really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I, I, could, I could continue on, on that, that train. Well, so could I. <laughs> but I, I wanted to ask, what is your favorite way to relax outside of work? Is, is it watching football? Um, what do you like to do on weekends aside from maybe rooting on uh, Texas Tech? Well, love the football aspects. I love to cook and I love to experiment. And the great thing is now I've got a television set up where, it, where I can cook and watch my three TVs at one time, oh, my games. <laughs> uh, my husband, it was a, a gift from him for one of my birthdays. But I love to experiment in the kitchen, and my favorite time is when I have family and friends in my kitchen, at my dining table, great conversation, good music, and, of course, some, some good wine. So I love cooking. I love going to the lake. Uh, sunsets are just one of my favorite, favorite things of all time. And going to the lake relaxes you. I love to water ski. I have three girlfriends. 
and we all water ski. We take turns pulling each other, and it's sort of all of our passions. So it's fun to have uh, your girlfriends who you enjoy that, and you can enjoy something that um, is really important to all of you. And I also read a lot. I like to read. I'm kind of a newspaper junkie. Okay. And so what I don't get to read, particularly, say, in the Wall Street during the week, I'll try to pick it up on the weekend. And I try to force myself to read in areas that I either don't have an interest or have little knowledge sure. and or understand a part of the world, read about a part of the world that I don't know much about. Technology is a challenge in terms of really keeping up and understanding where we're going technology-wise. So even though I'm not really that interested in technology, I really, really challenge myself to read about where technology is going and innovation, because I think that we need to embrace that, whether it comes naturally to us or not. So two, two follow-ups. Uh, the first, in being a reader, do you, do you like reading books too, or is it just the paper? I do. Or? Well, I, I like, when I have time, I like to read books. Okay. Do you have a book that you either recommend frequently to colleagues or friends or a, a favorite that could be of use um, to our members? Well, when young people ask me about a book, uh, I generally refer them to an old book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People okay. by Stephen Covey. Classic. Oh, it's such a classic. And um, over the years, I had done numerous workshops. But it's just such good common sense, but it's great to reinforce how important relationships are and what you do to make deposits with those people and those relationships over time Absolutely. and to build those. And I tell young people, you know, people will ask me, what would you say to your younger self okay. or what piece of advice could you give me? Yeah. And I often say, it's all about the relationships and to the extent that you can be a giver, and look for ways to nurture those relationships uh, and, and really find an area where someone just mentions something to you and they're having a challenge or they're trying to solve a problem and you can connect them with someone that you know has been through a similar experience, either professionally or personally. Be a resource for your peers. And I think that dropping everything when someone needs some help or where you see that you could bring a resource to someone is so important. And frankly, that was hard for me to do in my younger years. I'm pretty task-oriented. I like to check the list. And, you know, when, when someone calls, I say, drop everything. It doesn't matter what's on the list. Uh, take the time to help that person, and you'll have relationships throughout your career that will just be so meaningful. My other follow-up question is related to cooking. Uh, it was a habit that, or a, a hobby that I picked up primarily during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, what has been, or what is either your favorite dish or your favorite, you know, style of food to make? Uh, what do you like to cook? Everything. Okay. But <laughs> one of my, probably my favorite gift, and people laugh when I tell them this, that my husband's ever given me is my electric smoker. <laughs> nice. It is awesome. It's a Cook Shack smoker. You get them in Ponca City, Oklahoma. Um, but it's you can do anything with it. And you put lamb chops or you know, chicken or ribs or whatever in it. And you can turn it on, leave it, 
go run errands, go to a football game, come back. And it's, it's really bulletproof. It's hard to, it's really hard to mess anything up in my smoker. But um, I like to cook anything, really. I try, I try not to cook the things that aren't good for you, like pasta. Sure. But I always come back to pasta. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> what do you like to cook? I, you know, I don't have as much access to smokers or grills, so a lot of my cooking is just at home in the uh-huh. apartment. I make a lot of Italian food. Uh, I'm Italian-American, so not, not as much pasta. Um, I like making sauce, though, sauce mm-hmm. from scratch. Um, I like making chicken parm. It's probably my favorite food. Oh, yeah. Uh, pizzas, you know, simple sheet pan. You buy the dough in the grocery store. I know it's sacrilege for a lot of Italian-Americans, but it's just a quick weeknight. I can spread the dough in a few minutes, preheat the oven, and get that in and out in 10, 15 minutes, and you've got dinner. Um, I'm coming to your place because I want to <laughs> learn how to make better sauce. Okay. So Excellent. Nothing better than to learn how to make sauce from an Italian. Absolutely. Um, and then ribs, too. Um, my dad, that's probably his specialty on the grill at home. Um, but I've uh, grown accustomed to making them in the oven, you know, just buying one of the, the, the tin sheets, yes. covering it with foil, letting it sit for a couple hours, and, uh, you know, seeing where we're at after that. So, yeah, that's been, it's been so much fun um, and so rewarding to pick up those kinds of skills too. Well, it is. It's something that you can share and it's a real community builder. You know, everyone likes to come and eat, right? Yeah. And I experiment a lot of my friends because I figure, you know what? If you really screw up, you just order pizza and everybody's okay. Everybody's happy. Yeah, I, I love cooking for friends, um, primarily because, at least at the beginning, they wouldn't have expected me to be able to pull something like that off. And now it's sort of getting tougher to impress them with the things <laughs> that I'm making. So it's it's always a, a scenario where you got to keep stepping your game up to, to just continue to top yourself on that. I wanted to get back to the lookbook. There's actually a similar question that we put into the lookbook, and that's about Dallas restaurants. What was your favorite Dallas restaurant? What is your go-to order? And why is it your go-to order at your favorite Dallas restaurant? Well, I have a couple of favorite restaurants. One is um, Cafe Urbano on Fitchu. And the, the food is amazing. Uh, but I like it because it's BYOB. And, you know, I've become a little partial to Hall Wine over the years. And so I enjoy having a wonderful meal and bringing able to bring my whole wine that I know that uh, not only I will love, but everybody at the table will love. I've actually gotten really lucky with our wine pull mm -hmm. at events that we've done. And I've gotten a couple of whole bottles and they've been, oh my God, it's, if you have an opportunity, uh, this is not a a whole wine show, but not a commercial for (laughs) whole wine, but if you have an opportunity uh, try it. It's it's so good. They do a great job with it. Um, and, and also, Craig, um, when we interviewed him for the Legends of Commercial Real Estate series, he spoke about getting into the wine business and how that's become a passion for, for him and Catherine. So go check that out once you're finished listening to this episode, of course. Um, but Kim, you were, you were saying? It's great. Well, and I will say that Craig Hall says about the wine business, uh, which I've always found interesting, that it's it's one of the few businesses that could be more risky than real estate development. <laughs> you throw in the weather and pest, pest, and all of a sudden you've got even more risk. He talked about that mm-hmm. with, with Bill. 
Um, and what, what did you say was your favorite, your favorite dish? My favorite dish, they have a pasta that uh, is really terrific. Uh, they also have a scallops dish that I try to order different things. Um, but the scallops are great. They have short ribs. I, I've never had anything there that I didn't love. Perfect. The other restaurant that I really like is in Richardson. It is an old line Thai restaurant, Thai Soon. And it's also BYOB, but they are amazing. And I have a, another friend that I go with, and uh, she knows the, the people even better than I do. And we don't even order. They just bring to the table what they're recommending, what they you know have seafood-wise that's oh, wow. just really fresh. And it's a hole in the wall, but the food is amazing. The best food comes from places that you'd think are a hole in the wall. They are. Right? It's great. I've gotten that advice about taco places mm-hmm. out here. Uh, the, less, the less they seem like chains, nothing against uh, the really great taco chains that we have, the Mexican food chains that we have here in Dallas, but the, the more like one-offs that they seem like, you just know the better the food's going to be. And they're all different. You know, I've... I don't think I've met a taco that I didn't like. <laughs> Me neither, actually. But, you know, you're right. The hole in the wall is uh, so fun to explore, too, and find new places. Last night, you addressed our Young Guns members at their kickoff event, talking about all the engagement opportunities that Trek has to offer them. And thank you for being there and doing that. We really appreciate it, of course. I'd like to go back to last night for a moment and ask you to address the Young Guns again. You've kind of talked about this already with regard to relationships, but we often like asking our more experienced and accomplished guests like yourself what kind of advice they would give to young professionals just getting into the business. So from an early career standpoint, what advice do you have for our Young Guns? What steps should they be taking? What should they be doing now so that they can climb that proverbial career ladder? Well, I love being at the Young Guns event, it's, it's so fun and it's so invigorating to see the talent that is in our business. The only thing that I don't like about being at the Young Guns event is that I want to be a Young Gun again. <laughs> I want to go through it all over again. It's such a great business that we're in and uh, it's fun to see them with their entire careers ahead of them. I do get asked a lot about what would you do as a young person and One of the things that I learned and had the great fortune of working with a mentor is learning how to bring in the business. And I always tell young people in your organization, it doesn't matter what aspect of the business that you're in, someone who can bring in new business to their company is of incredible value. So find the person or persons within that company that are responsible for bringing in the business Number one, see if you can go to work for them. Number two, if you can't go to work for them, at least try to spend time with them and find out what they do and how they do it and how they develop those prospective business relationships, nurture those, and then ultimately bring in the business because that's going to make you very valuable um, to your company and it'll make you valuable in the marketplace. Uh, And that is what I like so much about what I do on the leasing front is, um, and why I've sort of gone back to leasing in my career, is because it's amazing to me the number of companies that I get to interact with. And real estate 
generally next to labor is sort of the second largest expense, not with all companies, but with a lot of companies. So you're dealing with the decision makers. Amazing how they develop a product or deliver a service that people place value on. And it's fascinating to find out how they capitalize their business, what their competitive landscape looks like, you know, what the greatest challenges are. And so I always talk to young people about learn a lot about business, learn how to bring in the business. Kim, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And I'm glad we got this opportunity to, to chat uh, and get to know you better as this year gets going. I like wrapping up these conversations by asking our guests about our guiding principle as an organization, and that is to build the city you've imagined. We like to think of it as a challenge to our members to leave a lasting legacy on our city and industry, you know, a legacy on the community. So when, when your career is over, as you look back on everything that you've done and accomplished, what kind of legacy would you ultimately like to leave? The, the pay it forward. I was so fortunate to have a great mentor at Transwestern, Paul Lentz. And I, there's not a night that goes by that I don't lay my head on my pillow and, you know, I'm so thankful and say a little prayer thanking uh, God for putting a great mentor in front of me. So it's always been important to me to mentor um, inside the company with the people that I work with, but also outside the company. And I would hope that at the end of the day, that the ripple effect of being able to mentor and help people um, really climb that career ladder, but do it the right way and how to conduct yourself in business and how to be honorable and fair. And he taught me not just how to work the business, but the right way to do business. And I would like a legacy of making an impact on others like that, and then they go and make an impact on people. And so you have a ripple effect. That's one of the things about our industry that I like is that there's so many really principled people. And it comes from passing it down. Here's how you treat people. Here's how you handle a situation. I always say that you learn about what a person's made of, not at the beginning of an assignment, but at the end of the assignment, and particularly if they're making a change and perhaps you're not going to continue with the business, how you handle yourself on the way out, that's what sets you apart as a person and as a business person. Kim, thank you so much again for your time. Oh, it's really been fun. It. I've enjoyed getting to know you better, Bill. That's all for today. I'd like to thank our 2022 chairman, Kim Butler of Hall Group, for her time. I really enjoyed getting to know her, and I'm really looking forward to working with her this year. I'll remind you once again to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. However you listen to podcasts, we've got you covered. Go check us out on social media for the latest news and updates. We've put links to everything in the show notes. Until next time, I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks for listening.